Hello and welcome to the Apostolic Church Liverpool podcast. We hope the message you're about to listen to will inspire you, will be a blessing to you and give you perspective in life. For more of such messages, you can visit our website at www.tac-lona.org.uk You can also access other messages and resources from our YouTube channel, The Apostolic Church Europe. We hope you're blessed and inspired by today's message. God bless you. Here's the message. We'll get started with today's service with the growth track. Um, so we've been on the book of Jude for quite a while now, and we still have quite a while to be on it. Uh, but today we want to, before we move on to the next section, uh, beginning from verse 8, we want to quickly track our progress so far. So we're doing like a, a recap on verses 4 to 7, um, and to be sure that we are getting the, the main gist. Of course, when we are talking about false teachers, or false prophets or apostates or whatever name we want to use for them in a setting where by God's grace, of course, only by his grace, God has helped us to continue to, to be taught and be fed by the truth. It might sound irrelevant in some sense. Wait, what are we talking about? We, I mean, there are no false teachers amidst us, which is true. Uh, but then we need all of these things to equip ourselves for whatever it is that we'll be facing in life. You, you do life with different people. And just so that we are, we are equipped to, to know how to respond wherever we find ourselves and in whatever context uh, we find ourselves in our Christian work. And so we've been on the subject of God's judgment on these apostates, or Jude called them um, some ungodly men. Uh, so we're going to read Jude verses 4 to 7. It's just one chapter. And then just reinforce some of the things that we've said. So beginning from next week, we move on to more details about the life and character of these people that Jude was writing for the church to guard against. Don't forget the central theme for this book, contending earnestly for the faith. is is more or less a call to battle of some sort. It's a call to stand alert. It's a call to take our place. So Jude chapter 1, verse 4 to 7, I'm reading from the Living Bible which is a paraphrase, but a very expository paraphrase, if you will. It says, I say this because some godless teachers have warmed their way in among you, saying that after we become Christians, we can do just as we like without fear of God's punishment. This is what was going on in the church to which Jude was writing to. It says, the fate of such people was written long ago, for they have turned against our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. My answer to them is this. Remember this fact, which you know already, that the Lord saved a whole nation of people out of the land of Egypt and then killed every one of them who did not trust and obey him. Verse 6. And I remind you of those angels who abandoned their original rank and left their proper home. Now God has them chained up in prisons of darkness, waiting for the judgment day. And verse 7, don't forget the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, all full of lusts of every kind, including lust for men, lust of men for other men. Those cities were destroyed by fire and they continue to be a warning to us that there is a hell in which sinners are going to be punished or in which sinners are punished. May the Lord bless the reading of his word for the salvation of our souls. 
in Jesus' name. So that's the section that we've been on for um, over a month now, just those looking at verses four down to verse six as of last week, and then I've added verse seven to it as a continuum of that. Our objective in the next few minutes is basically to remind us of our journey so far through this epistle, and then to emphasize that God's judgment awaits apostates. God's judgment awaits apostates. And when we say apostates, uh, when we were treating the tenets of the church, you remember when we did the tenets on the possibility of falling from grace, and we talked about apostasy, whereby some people having claimed to have believed in the Lord, they believed in Jesus as it were, and then at some point decide they don't want to believe in him anymore, uh, which in a sense actually corroborates the fact that they never really truly believed in him in the first instance. Such people, one of the terminologies that are used for them in, in, in Bible circles is apostates or apostasy um, in the noun sense of it. So, so far we are saying that what Jude wants his readers to do the reason why he wrote this letter in verse 3, he stated it, is so that they can be alert and they can be ready to contend for the faith. In doing that, specifically in the context to which he was writing, he wanted them to stand against some, he called them ungodly men, depending on the version that you are using. Some version calls them evil men, or some versions already stated clearly that they are, they are false leaders and teachers of God's word. And he said that they sneaked into the congregation. He says they came in on our ears. They crept in on our ears, still daily. They came in looking like friends, uh, looking harmless in that sense, to the point where they gained influence in the church. Maybe responsibilities was committed into their hands to the point where they now have a voice and they are beginning to not only mislead people by their teachings, which is not fully biblical, but also by their lifestyle, which also corroborates the fact that whatever it is that they are teaching is not the truth, or at least it's not the whole counsel of God, because they are living lives that are contradictory to what God's word teaches. And so Jude goes ahead to give three examples um, to warn his readers to say, this kind of people, um, there is a judgment that is awaiting them. And there is a judgment that is awaiting anyone that will follow their lifestyle or follow their style or follow the example that they are laying. And to do that, he gives three examples from the Old Testament. And we've mentioned, I mean, a couple of those examples in the last few weeks. The first example is the nation of Israel. Then the example of the fallen angels, which we treated last week. The, the third example in verse seven is the example of Sodom and Gomorrah. And all of those examples, if you look at the sins that Jude pointed out that they committed, all of those sins are also evident in the life of these false teachers, whoever they are, these apostates, whoever they are, these leaders in that church setting of that time, whoever they, are, they were in that sense. Uh, just to ask from the passage that we've read, uh, who can spot or identify the sins of those three examples? What was the sin of the nation of Israel? that Jude was pointing to? What was the scene of the fallen angels as we discussed last week? And what was the scene of Sodom and Gomorrah that caused God to judge each of those examples that Jude was giving to us? Who wants to go for that? Just unmute yourself and chip in your thoughts. You can answer for one, you can answer for two or the three if you want to. Who is belling the cat? The way I understand the question is on the slide. The three examples that Jude gave what were their sins? 
What was the sin of the Israelites that he cited? Of course, Israelites sinned many times. But in this particular passage, what was the sin that they sinned? What was the sin of the fallen angels? And what was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah? That's All right. Go on, my sister Lioness. Um, let me just read. But um, I think for Sodom and Gomorrah, yeah, it was um, verse seven talks more about that and says, um, and don't forget the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah mm -hmm. and their neighboring towns, which were filled with sexual immorality mm -hmm. and every kind of sexual perversion. You know, so they they have different kinds. Okay, so for instance. One of the sexual perversion they had was when it was time for Lot to leave and the men of the city came and they mm -hmm. wanted to literally sleep with, the, they told them that there's, there, are, there are angels or um, mm -hmm. men in their house yeah. that they need to bring. So I see that as like homosexualism. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of, um, that's an example of their sexual perversion. Thank you very much. That's straight to the point. Any other person? What was the sin of the fallen angels? What was the sin of the nation of Israel? So, um, for, for the nation of Israel, yeah. after God had delivered them from Egypt, they failed to believe to believe him. So God punished the, ones, the, the, the unbelieving ones among them. That's right. So the sin of unbelief. Thank you very much. So we are left with the fallen angels. What was the sin of the fallen angels? In a way, how would you articulate it? Not necessarily. For the fallen angels, um, okay, they kept not their first estates. So they kept right. not their first um, maybe creature, like what they are designed to, to, to do. Or something. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, they rebelled against the order that oh. God instituted. Um, I mean, there's, there's a little more details about that story in the book of Revelation chapter 12 um, about their rebellion and Isaiah 14, uh, where Lucifer uh, the, the head of them in that rebellion began it. So all these three sins were also present in the lives of these leaders, these false teachers, these apostates. They were unbelieving, unbelieving in the sense that they were teaching some of the things that they were teaching about Christ wasn't true. And that was inferred in verse, verse four or, and verse five, if you read it in context, where Jude went on to say that um, they, they, they deny the teaching of our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. To them, Jesus is not, is not central. You see that there is a whole lot of similitude on, and, and similarities between this book and what was going on in the church in Colossae as per the study that we are doing on Thursdays for the Bible study for the Colossians. It's almost a similar scenario in which for the Colossians as well, they had these people that are teaching them things that sound intelligible, but it's not the full gist of who Christ is. And anyone that denies the doctrine of Christ, whatever other thing they say, you can't hold it to, to I mean, it, it has failed the balance on, of the truth because that's what is central to every other thing that we could claim as doctrine. The, the, the sins of the fallen angels was rebellion, was rebellion against authority. In this case, the very authority of God and the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was sexual immorality. So these people were unbelieving, they were rebellious against authority, and they were sexually immoral. And all those things were finding expression in their lives and in the way they were um, leading God's people in this church to which Jude was writing to. Now it says, um, we, I just want us to tie it up together by saying, let's give a reminder on how to defend the faith against such people. 
And we've mentioned this before, but just to reiterate it before we move on to the details, I just have that sense that we, so that it won't look like we are overflogging the whole issue of yeah, God's judgment, this, that. If we are not seeing how the story flows, it can begin to sound like, okay, what exactly are we talking about? That's why I thought, let's do this re recap. Let's consolidate what we've learned so far before we start looking more and more into the lives and character of these false teachers. So a reminder on how to defend the faith against such people is first, we must know the word of God for ourselves. Every child of God, besides being adopted into God's family, as a matter of fact, that adoption into God's family is also like an admission into a school. We are all supposed to be students of the Bible. And that's what that means is, is that you don't want to just be the kind of Christian that comes to church on Thursdays and Sundays and, and waits on pastors or whoever is leading to feed you with God's word. While that is very central and important, there is also and primarily a basic responsibility that your privilege of being a child of God confers on you to own it, to own your learning, to own your growth, to play your part in wanting to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And that will not happen accidentally. You, you don't want to commit the responsibility of your growth to a third party. Of course, God will use many other third parties to nourish you in that growth process. But primarily, you want to be a, a student of God's word in and for yourself. There are very many things that, I mean, looking back in retrospect now to how I used to be so addicted to studying God's word when I was just freshly um, a born-again Christian in that sense. I used to ask myself now that if I were not to be a pastor today, if I were not to be involved in pastoral ministry, I think I would still, of course, it's not even I think, that would have still been the same intentionality that went into, I wasn't doing all of that then because I knew I was going to become a pastor. I think that's how I should have said it. And I think that should be true of all of us. I wasn't waking up to go and spend half of a day in the library when I could have been reading academic materials, deciding to just sit down with God's word and enjoy myself because I knew that in some few years time, I would be in ministry. I had no clue. But I saw that as the responsibility that I, I have by virtue of the privilege of God's grace that I've enjoyed. And I'm saying that should be common to all of us. It's, it's not, it shouldn't be strange for you to, to say of yourself after a week that, oh, last week I really enjoyed all those hours that I spent studying God's word. Yes, we are all busy, but whatever we love, we make time for it. Whatever we genuinely love, we make time for it. And once you choose to make time for your personal study of God's word, the Holy Spirit shows up every time to teach you and ground you and lead you in the way that you should go. Secondly, we must watch and pray. We must watch and pray. Literally, we must be sensitive. And that applies to leaders, that applies to the members of the congregation, that applies to every steward, every worker, everybody in the church, in the church of God or in the family of God. It needs for leaders to be discerning because, of course, these people didn't just come in and all of a sudden began to mislead people. They didn't come in as leaders. They came in to the fold. The leaders were not too sensitive enough to discern who they are, the kind of spirit that was working in their lives to the point where they began to commit responsibilities into their hands that gave them a voice and a platform to begin to mislead people. And that means, again, in leadership, we need to be sensitive, but even much more. Um, Bible says in 2 Chronicles 19, verse 2, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? 
And, and the point I'm drawing out from that is to say, even as members, there are times that we support different other ministries apart from our primary responsibility to this church family where we are being fed, and that's okay. But you want to be careful to, be, to, to discern the kind of ministries that you're supporting. Wherever you are sending your finance to, you want to be sure that the word of God is truly being taught um, in those other places. Finally, we must have the courage to disagree and separate from those who deny Christ and the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. If anybody comes to you today and say, Jesus Christ did not truly become a man, that's fundamentally, there is no other theology you can build on whatever that person, person believes that would be biblically accurate. Because indeed, if you deny the incarnation of Christ, you've denied the whole doctrine of who Christ is. He couldn't have died to pay a price that is once and for all if he did not become a man. And so that's, that's fundamentally flawed. If someone comes and says, um, today is Easter Sunday, of course, the resurrection is, is bogus. The disciples made up the story. Um, yes, Jesus was wonderful. Yes, Jesus was a miracle worker, but it didn't, it didn't really happen like that. You begin to see elements of things that are just so consistent with the very fabric upon which our Christian faith um, is built. And we must be willing and courageous enough to stand up and disagree with such people and separate from them if need be. I mean, this is something that whenever the apostles are writing about it in the epistles, they are very strong about it. Um, however, I had that this doesn't mean that we should separate from fellow believers over minor doctrinal differences. And we've said this when we treated Romans 14, um, disputable matters and non-disputable matters. We're not talking about that, but we're talking of the central core doctrine of the Christian faith, especially about our salvation. Lastly, um, just two scriptures. <clears throat> Maybe I'll just take this one and the other one, we can read it when we get to Romans 16, 17 to 20. This is Paul concluding the book of Romans and says, and now there is one more thing to say before I end this letter. Stay away from those who cause divisions and are upsetting people's faith, teaching things about Christ that are contrary to what you have been taught. They are all over YouTube. They are all over Facebook. They are all over advocating for one agenda or the other part-time. And you see all sorts of people giving responses and saying this, and don't just get yourself embroiled in all those kind of unnecessary, unhealthy, and unhelpful conversations. Such teachers are not working for our Lord Jesus, but only once gain for themselves. They are good speakers. They are simple and simple-minded people are often fooled by them. But everyone knows that you stand loyal and true. This makes me very happy. I want you to always remain very clear about what is right and stay innocent of anything that is wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The blessings from our Lord Jesus Christ be upon you. Those were Paul's very last words to the church in Rome in one of, in what is supposedly his, his grandest letter ever written. And I think it applies to us today as well. Second John, verse seven to 11, we can read that when we get home. Personal reflection, what steps are you practically taking to make yourself a better student of God's word? No one can answer that for yourself. We can all share thoughts about what we are doing. Maybe someone else can find an idea in what you are doing. For instance, for me, one of the things I've started doing is to ensure that whenever I'm walking around the street, maybe to the post office or to the corner shop or something to buy something, I'm listening to a message. I'm, I'm intentionally listening to a message or listening to an audio, by, audio version of the Bible. So that that time is not just wasted. I could have also used that time to surf Facebook, to go on Twitter, to do any other thing. But that becomes at least a quiet moment for me. There is no Joshua, there is no Damique. 
I'm just myself with the Lord and I can have that uninterrupted moment of communion and fellowship. That's just a, an idea and there are very many other thoughts. Maybe we can take one or two and then I would say a word of prayer. I don't know if anybody wants to share practical steps you are taking to make yourself a better student of God's word. Anybody? Sister, if I go for it. Accountability, like having someone yeah. that you can share it with so it's sinking, you're able to assimilate better when you talk about it as well. Absolutely. God bless you. That's very helpful. We do much better when you have at least one or two other people that are in that journey with you and that can hold you accountable to some extent. Yeah. One last thought from someone, anybody? Um, I think one of the things that have worked for me yep. was um, this um, Bible plan from the U version. So just to follow up on what um, Ife said, um, yep. it, it was just really good because people will invite you or you can invite somebody. Um, it's um, okay, So the Bible app is the U, uh, is the, the Bible app version. Yeah, is the U version version <laughs> that you that you have on your phone. You can download it. It's just good, even if you don't have your Bible with you, like your paper Bible with you. You can read from the electronic Bible on your phone, on your tablets, whichever it is. And you know, it has just really helped me as well to be able to read the Bible plan. So there are a lot of Bible plans on there. Lots of them. That you know, lots of them. In fact, Pastor Joseph Allah has one there, which was really, really nice. We, he invited me to be. So it's just a good way to be able to relate with others, hear others' views about the scriptures. In actual fact, when you go to the community part of it, by the time you start studying the scriptures, you won't know because you will see people's highlighted verses. Yeah. Verses that you have even forgotten. You'll be able to see them there. And it was just really good. You look through it. By the time you finish looking through whatever somebody else is doing, you are practically, you are already great. looking through the scriptures already. Thank you so very much. it's good. Yeah, thank you very much for that. I mean, it's, it's a resource that I think we should definitely all engage with, um, more so in this age and time when the internet is everywhere. God bless you. Our time is fast spent. I'll say a word of prayer and then we're going to the praise worship. Father God, we thank you because... You knew us, you know us, and you continue to know us. You know us so well that you know the kind of vulnerabilities, susceptibilities, and challenges we'll be facing in 2021, that you caused someone that was writing 2021 years ago, or even much more, to write things that are still relevant to what we'll be going through now. We're grateful for your word, and we're asking, oh God, that you help us to not just be hearers, but doers of the same. More so in remembrance of your resurrection today, we ask that your resurrection power will enable us to do these things, to quicken us into the things that are the things of God. In Christ Jesus, I'm feeling in with great. Amen and amen.